Hey friends, this is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. If there was ever a wild, wild west of podcast interviews on this show, this might be the episode. I'm recording with my friend Ian Williams. He's the owner of Deadstock Coffee in Portland, Oregon, which is a coffee and sneaker-themed shop. There's no other feeling like walking into Deadstock. You're always greeted by the baristas, customers and staff clearly know each other well, and the space invites a lot of discussion, a lot of back and forth. Yes, this is a sneaker-themed coffee shop, thank you for asking. No, the shoes are not for sale. And yes, we will put a stencil of a sneaker in your hot chocolate. The conversation I have with Ian is kind of a singularity. It's kind of like Deadstock itself. No one else could have opened Deadstock except Ian. No one else could have created the environment that Deadstock has. And we talk a lot about this, about the source of originality, especially in coffee, where it feels like every new shop opening has the same aesthetic. You know what I'm talking about. White walls, plants, probably some reclaimed wood. Deadstock doesn't have that. Ian has been roasting coffee for Deadstock for a few years, and recently kicked off a campaign called Coffee Should Do Better, which we get into. But for the most part, this interview sort of reads as two friends shooting the shit. Ian's computer keeps beeping. I'm eating stale bread for some reason. Ian asks me a lot of questions about it. We make fun of each other a few times. And there's a rotating cast of characters that come in and out. It's fun, but it's also illuminating and grounded in the current moment. We recorded this episode about five months after COVID-19 forced many coffee shops to close. But Ian's business is thriving. And people are asking him why. There's no one answer. But it starts with breaking away from the cookie-cutter model of what a coffee shop needs to be. And just doing a little bit of what you like and what you think is good. Here's Ian. I will say I'm not going to eat while we record, but I was eating before we started recording. Yeah, my Pop-Tart's gone. Okay, good. Because I told you, no one wants to hear us crunching. But they needed to know that we do consume food. I don't think that they doubted that. But on the record, Ian Williams and I both eat food. We eat food. Uh, (laughs) Chris is in the background. Let me me crunch this up real quick so I can get rid of it. Uh, Ian, who's there with you right now? Oh, it's my homie Chris Dixon. Uh, he is. Uh, he works for. Uh, he works with Pencil, the shoe design school, uh, which is located in our building. But also, uh, he has his own brands, and we are currently working on uh, a sketchbook. Uh, for yeah, our first our first product together. Where you going, Chris? Where you going, bro? You might as well. You might as well stick around for the beginning part. He out here. Uh, oh, what you want? You want OVO tens? Chris has Chris has really wealthy shoes on. By the way. Really wealthy shoes. What does that yeah. mean? His shoes are his shoes are big time. Okay, let's start there then, because i I didn't realize how important sneaker culture is specifically to Portland mm-hmm. until I read your Sprudge interview, and you were talking about how obviously Nike is based there, but like you have the only school to make for for sneaker design. Like, can you talk a little bit about like the importance of sneaker culture to Portland? Yeah, so the Portland is the is the footwear capital of the world. Uh, we have Nike uh, World Headquarters, Adidas America is here. Under Armour makes a lot of their footwear decisions here, um, and then the the companies that are outside of like the sneakers that you would normally think of that are like collector ones. So, um, Keen, Columbia, um, uh, was it Mizuno? You know the run and shoe company. Their office is in Tokyo and here. Uh, the company called High Tech used to be here. And one used to be here. K1X used to be here. Like all these brands, Leaning used to be here. Um, a lot of a lot of footwear companies and also the, the 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 agencies that were started or that move here to seek out the 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 opportunity to you know to collect footwear business um, all here. And then the only shoe design school in the world. So kind of only makes sense to open up a sneaker themed coffee shop. Um, you know, a place where people who are within that industry can go to to hang out and learn and just like BS. Um, but also people who are who are interested in the industry can go to meet people and connect. 
Um, and I don't know if, um, you know what, I guess it's Boss Barista Podcast and uh, we get to do whatever we want. So Absolutely, we get to do whatever um, we want. So, so I would actually like, if possible, for Chris to say some things about it because he's one of those people who was seeking um, that that industry and moved here from uh, from the East Coast. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, come on, Chris, I would love to hear about that. Get a little close to the mic. Oh, man. Yeah, you know? He said, pull up, pull up. Pulling up. You know, tell, tell the people who you are, what you do. How you doing, Ashley? Um, my name is Chris Dixon. I'm a special project designer for Pencil Footwear Academy. Um, and what we do, um, man, we create special products with different brands. So I'm not tied down to one brand. So we collaborate with many brands across the industry. Like who? Um, we do Nike uh, diversity class. do a, a annual New Balance class. At the New Balance headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. Hoka, Oni Oni, East Bay. I mean, the list goes on. Asics. Puma. Puma, yeah. We we just do classes and pop-ups um, to discover new talent. So we're like a talent pool. So people come to us to get find the new talent and, and knowing that we have um, the reputation to breed up great talent. So is it like... If you don't live in Portland and you're interested in sneaker culture, is it pretty much like this is the hub? Like this is the place that you want, like this is the goal is to go to Portland and like work in some sort of fashion with one of the brands that you've named? Truly. Um, once you find out that it is a job and there's opportunities, you need to come here so you can make those dreams come true. Um, and that's what, what Pencil has been doing for the last 10 years. Um, just learning to put playing field for minorities because a lot of us can't afford big design schools. So now, you know, you have uh, a school that is promoting free education and all the brand sponsored classes are, you know, a platform for, you know, these creatives to show their, their skills, you know, and at the end of these, these classes, basically you have an opportunity to present in front of the, the brands that you want to work for. And that's, that's unheard of. What what is it? This is maybe like kind of a question from a noob because I I don't know much about sneaker culture except what basically what Ian has told me and what I've learned from following Nick Cho on Twitter. Um, but what is it? What what makes like designing a sneaker unique or different? Like, what are some of the things that you have to think about when you're designing footwear? Well, every sneaker has a story, so in a specific person that is targeted to. So you always want to um, like just share those different stories and, and avenues to where you know every every shoe is going to be different. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. Can you give us an example of something that you've worked on that has that story building kind of as its nexus? Oh yeah. So like um, when I first got here in 2017, I won a competition called World Sneaker Championship, and the, the design that I um, I created was inspired by Pencil Footwear Academy, and I wanted to share the story of Dwayne being the inventor of the first, you know, sneaker academy. And so, I took inspiration from the inside of the studio, which you know, the hardwood floors being like brown, and the interior being black and white. So that was the colorway. And then, you know, basically how Dwayne is a a classic OG sneakerhead. And he kind of connects with, uh, you know, the new school. So I wanted to, you know, share that story through the lacing system with that that lacing going through, you know, a classic leather through a newer material like a reoprene, like a kind of like a, like a like a neoprene, like a rubbery kind of foamy, stretchy material. Yeah, okay. so that was a connection, like an aqua sock thing. Right. So, yeah, that was the, the connection um, that made that story uh, resonate to, you know, the whole pencil story. So it was it was a good storytelling that people could, could you know, relate to it. And, and I, I was voted to, to actually be the world sneaker champion that year. He's a cha- that That's why we call him the champ. Predicting <laughs> the champ. I would. I, I mean, Ian, you'd only work with champions, I imagine. Um, so how did you two start working together on the sketchbook that you're doing? Can you talk a little bit about that project? Yeah. Um, 
So there was this uh there was this sketchbook that we actually used to carry. Um that um it was it was pretty good, but it was designed by some people who uh who were interested in the sneaker industry, um, but they weren't sneaker designers. Uh they were designers and they uh worked around shoes. Actually, uh one or both of them were pencil students. Um, but but one of them is more like high fashion and the other is just he's a three D. So, you know, the three D designer. So you know, not to not to knock their skills or their talents, but they just weren't sneaker designers. So the 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 shoe silhouettes that were in the book, you know, they're kind of like guides um, where that you were drawing against were um, were not necessarily, you know, they had like a high top that was supposed to look like a basketball shoe. The guy and the guidelines were a little too dark um, and they were like dots instead of like a thin line or maybe even like a dashed line. So uh, they just really showed up when you were trying to sketch and and. If you don't, if you don't sketch or you don't draw already, um, uh, a lot of them were just there was five silhouettes and they weren't all accurate um, to what they, they 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 weren't accurate to like what a shoe, what a sneaker should look like, and they were very limiting to what your sneaker design could be. So really, what it should be is just like a a, a you know like a template or an opportunity for you to get your proportions down, um, and so. Uh, um, so we had been talking, Chris and I met, I don't know, 12 years, 15 years ago. It was a long time. How old am I? I don't know. Uh, and Chris was in a, was in a, a, a design competition that Dwayne, the founder of Pencil did while we, while Dwayne and I both worked at Nike. Um, it was called Future Soul and it was finding young talent. And Chris, uh, was actually one of the finalists and you won, right? Yeah, he won. So, uh, he had a shoe that, that, uh, he had some a uh, one shoe, or did you also did you also do apparel? No, I just did uh, shoe. Oh, okay, he just did a shoe. That's just only one shoe, which is a massive deal. But uh, but yeah, so you know, I, I've known Chris for a long time, and and um, you know, the as his skills got better, his skills continue to get better. Um, and for a while, he uh, he wanted to switch it up and started designing uh heels, like heel like women's heels, and um, super dope. Uh, had a really big uh, athlete endorsement on that, uh, who was very interested. I don't know if I'm supposed to say or not. So, uh, oh, uh, sorry, it's Serena Williams, um, and uh, which was which is dope. Uh, that's my wife. She just doesn't know it yet. And um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So you know, just over time, we he's, this dude's like, he's literally sketching while we're talking. Like he's in here sketching right now. Um, and he's always sketching, he's always drawing, he's always getting better, he's always improving. And, and you know, my, my whole thing is just always talking about improving as well. And, um, you know, I really love the sketchbook that we had, that company stopped making them. And Chris and I jokingly said, like, man, we should just do our own. And um, we're finally now just doing our own. Class. Huh? Oh, the, oh, oh, talk about my bad. There's a, you tell about the class. So, so me and Ian were invited to. Oh, that's uh, right. Elementary. That's that's that, what that's it what is. Really kicked it off. So, it's true. So me and Ian, like every day, I, I come in and sketch before I go up to the office. And Ian was talking about one of our heroes, um, E. Scott Morris, and how he designs on a sticky note. And we started saying like we should do a sticky note. So we ended up doing a sticky note, and um, we were invited to an elementary class and to tell our story. And we shared our sneaker story, and we gave these sticky notes to these students and asked them to share their story with us. Yeah, the, stick, the sticky note has a shoe silhouette on it. Okay. Yeah. So they shared these incredible stories, man, and it really inspired mm-hmm. us to uh, to actually take it further because we've seen like, these quiet kids like really express themselves through art and sneakers. and some of the, the art that we've seen or some of the designs we've seen were just breathtaking. And uh, we, we we knew we had something there. And, and we just kept talking about, you know, how can we make this better? And that's when the sketchbook, you know, kind of kind of sparked up. Yep. That sounds awesome. I'm about to send you a I'm about to send you a picture of the uh, of the of the sticky note, uh, the current shoe that Chris just sketched and uh, and of the book. I'm going to text it to you. Okay, cool. Thank sorry, you. Sorry, podcasters. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can't see it in real time, but maybe you can. Well, uh, yeah, like, I guess we're going to have to say at this point that they can see it like 
on Instagram later when this episode comes out or something like that. Um, They'll be in the show notes or something. Um, I'll figure out a way to get it to people. Um, So let's, uh, let's talk about dead stock because that's why, I mean, that's why I mean, we're here for so many reasons, but um, (laughs) how would you like, if you were like in an elevator with someone and this is like a cheesy question, um, I almost feel bad asking you about it because i feel like putting confines on you is like not the way to go but i'm gonna do it anyway i'll break i'll break free, free of it so you that's good. fine but i uh, yeah so break free however you want but like if you were like in an elevator with someone and you were like i own this coffee shop it's called dead stock and they were like what's it like like how would you describe it to somebody yeah um it is uh dead stock is a we're a sneaker themed coffee shop that uh you know the the whole goal coffee shops are a pulse on the community and and like uh any other community like if you if you're into motorcycles if you're into you know uh knitting or or maybe you know i don't know plants that a, a coffee shop can be a pulse on that thing like it's a for a small investment you can go hang out for a long time and the community we choose to to help or we choose to highlight is the community of sneakers and sneaker designers and enthusiasts so that's dead stock what does it feel like when you step into dead stock uh it's cool that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, just, I mean, uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit about my experiences because I went to go see you um, in February and it felt like every single person knew each other, even if they didn't know each other. It just felt like anybody could jump into a conversation at any point and feel like, oh, like I'm here, like I'm seen, like I'm part of yeah. this conversation, even if maybe I don't know anything about sneakers. Like no, I don't. Chris is leaving. Bye, Chris. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk. God bless. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So I, I like your I like your what you said about your experience. You Is know, that intentional? Like how do you how'd you think about that? Yeah, the 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 goal or the hope was to to create something um that was if I, I had some experiences with some coffee companies in the in the city um, where I went really just because I wanted to to connect with a friend. You know, like I I, I met some friends at some coffee shops, or uh, I had some work I needed to do. So you know, I went to one spot. I asked for a mocha, and they were like, "We don't do chocolate." Um, and I was like, "Bro, you're not doing anything crazy. Like places do chocolate. This is not like a you're you're not you're not." you're not more traditional than someone else, you know, or, or whatever. And not that I even know all that much, but I definitely know that chocolate is normal in a drink, you know, but, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But the, but then there was another one where I went somewhere and I asked for, um, a vanilla macchiato and and they were like, are you sure that's what you want? And I was like, yeah, you know, and instead of somebody telling me, you know, this is not actually a macchiato. Is this? It is not that. They just gave me uh, a macchiato and put some vanilla in it. And I just remember being like, "This is Jack," you know, um, and was pretty unhappy about it. And I just was like, "I I don't ever want anybody to ever feel this ever." And because like the, the not the feeling of like being excluded, but almost like the like you you're you are you are served or you are told something because they kind of want you to go away, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or they, or they want to like, ha, I'm going to show him, you know, or what, whatever, like that, just help me. Just tell me that that's not what I want or whatever. Like this is, this is stupid, you know? So, so I, I tried to, I, the, the hope is that, you know, Deadstock is a space where people can go and be themselves. Um, and I encourage, or I, I stress, you know, on the team that they are, that everybody is respectful of others, whatever others might want or like or enjoy or whatever it might be. Um, because it's, it's, it's important, you know, it's important to be, it it doesn't matter what you look like, what you wear, um, where you're from, you know, what language you speak, we're just going to try to look out as much as we can. And you know, take, take it, take it however it is. You know, sometimes we do things right. Sometimes we do things wrong. Um, but you know, we try to, we try to do the right thing, which is just not judge people and give people a chance to, 
you know, I think you asked me, you, you said just a second ago, you're like, I, you know, I don't, uh, putting you in a box is the bad thing, you know, or it could be or whatever, but giving somebody the opportunity to, you know, as I'm not a designer, but you've designed things and I've been around designers a long time. Sometimes the best thing you can do is put somebody, you can, you can put them in a box. My goodness, this laptop, uh, you can put somebody <laughs> in a box and have them design themselves out of it, you know? Yeah. And I think that like when you go into dead stock, like there's stuff to read and like, there's like the rule, like not the rules, but like some of the, like, I guess like principles is like a little bit too formal of a word, but like they're like <laughs> tenants of dead stock and they're like funny. And it's like, it invites someone to like ask a question or like there are things on the menu that are like tongue in cheek that feel like, Oh, like I want to know more about that. Um, and yeah. that feels intentional too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the, we, I will never, um, I don't want to ever do anything where I'm like l- lying to people. You know, like I'm, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to be, I always want to be honest about like the things that are true to us. Um, but, uh, but also invite you to ask some more, ask more questions. Um, and like we have customers who ask for, uh, you know, we have a drink called, uh, Zero Chill, which is named after Damian Lillard. Um, and you know, Zero, Zero is one of our more popular drinks. Um. And because he's number zero and he has no chill, like he's because he's cold, he's cold blooded. <laughs> so that's why we call it that. <laughs> uh, we mix that drink with uh, lemonade and we make uh, an Arnold Palmer with coffee in it. And uh, we call it the LeBron Palmer, which is named after a LeBron shoe. Um, we uh, but also because supposedly the Arnold Palmer is LeBron's favorite drink. So, you know, we 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 have a bunch of stuff like that, like a triple shot white mocha is called the Steph Curry because he shoots a lot of threes and he's. And he's mixed, you know, <laughs> so, you know, what we, uh, but there's no, there is no menu. Uh, there is like a secret menu. Uh, sorry, the menu is, is, is there's no secret that there's not a menu. Uh, but then also there is another layer to it where you either have to know someone or somebody will suggest it to you, but we just give the, the customer the opportunity to experience the shop and not, um, and not just, uh, <laughs> do Chris just say he left his keys up here? Uh, <laughs> the um, experience the shop, but not just, you know, like actually st- stop for a moment and pay attention to where you are and what you're doing. Yeah, that's a good point. Down, you know. Yeah, that's a that's a super good point. The idea that like you have to stop and kind of like take in your surroundings and be like, oh, I have to be present in this space. Um, which feels like a demand, but it's more of a, just like an invitation to just like slow down for a minute and be like, who's around me and what's happening. Um, and something that I appreciate a lot about Deadstock, um, and we talked, we've talked about this before is that nobody else could have built Deadstock. Someone could have built a sneaker themed coffee shop, but nobody could have built the coffee shop that you currently built. And I think in the coffee world, we're like, moving towards sameness and i wonder if that's something that you thought about consciously or it's something that like now you think about um i i i have always felt that a lot of things are 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 same not even just in coffee but but outside of outside of coffee um you know there there's a lot of people who like i guess hipsters in quotes you know, hipsters are—I I think like a, a real hipster is somebody who does something that's completely different than everybody else, right? But the, it's like—I don't maybe not dictionary definition, but loose de- definition. Sure. You do some, you do something different than everybody else, and it's and you do it because it makes you happy, and you don't really care. But when you have a whole bunch of people who are being different, you're the same. When you go into, which is okay, you know, but but don't act like you're different than everyone. Um, right. And we we look for we kind of look for that truly different person. Um, a lot of people are into sneakers, and that and that's cool, you know, which which is great. But there are people who are into shoes. There are people who want to be a designer or whatever. 
and then there's like the there's like the person who's like picking at stuff you know and and i'm i've always been that person who picks at stuff like i pick at people i pick at you know the system you know and, and just in different ways but i think I, a lot of it has to do with my upbringing i'm from newport news virginia which is nicknamed bad news um for a reason and we moved here when i was 10 years old and i moved to a small town in portland called hillsboro oregon that's not a small town near portland called hillsboro and uh you know outside port everybody looks at portland as like this liberal you know after system tear it down who cares um but like you go 10 15 minutes outside of portland and you're you know in the burbs and you know you'll see some you'll see some make america great again you'll see some don't tread flags you'll see some stuff like that uh and then you go a little bit further like 30 minutes outside and you're in the country and you know there i guess there's enough voting power in the city of portland and you know randomly spread out like the bend and salem sometimes and eugene where the colleges where a lot of the colleges and stuff are and young people but portland is portland is country and there's a lot of and and before, as I was growing up, ten years old, only black family in the neighborhood until I was like sixteen, seventeen, and everybody police knew my name, didn't even know who the police were, um, you know, been pulled over at one, and I would get pulled over, at least once every other week, and I just learned how to play the game. I know I'm gonna get pulled over, so I'm not gonna fight it, you know. Like there's just I, I know that people are gonna say some sideways stuff to me, at school or whatever. I'm not going to, I can't fight them. Uh, so I just tried to find ways to help them understand without me being like, please take a moment and consider my feelings. You know, I'm just like, ah, you know, like somebody told me one time I was snowboarding and he was like, he rode past and he was like, can't we just have one sport? And I was like, yeah, but you got to take it. You know, like, <laughs> like I just learned how to quickly respond to like dumb stuff, you know, and you want to say something dumb to me, I'm going to say something dumb back to you. Um, but if you want to sit and have a talk, I'm down to sit and have a talk. But just understand, like, you know, even Black Lives Matter, it's just like really what we're asking is to be left alone. That's that's it. And still, like, so I can just do my life. And that's what, you know, I guess that's the, the thing that I bring to Deadstock is, or the the reason behind it is, like, I just want to do my life. And I know you just want to do yours. So let's let's do that. Yeah, I wonder. That's. Like when you were thinking about opening Deadstock, I know there's kind of like the things I read about you and the things that I know about you from like the surface level of like you wanted a place where people of all ages could gather. You wanted a place where people were encouraged to loiter, which I really liked that phrasing. Um, <laughs> but I wonder like more individually, because it seems like you are and this is maybe like stealing a little bit from country rhetoric but like you seem ruggedly individualistic in certain ways like yeah. you are a singular person like there is nobody like you yeah thank you i'll take that as a i appreciate that um i mean it's i mean it as a compliment well i, I, I know you do i'm not like oh thanks no i i, I, I know <laughs> you do. um so yeah. but but yeah. but yeah yeah so like when you start a business is it, it does some of that come from that because of that like i am there's there's one there's like a vision of my life that I have that like doesn't exist anywhere else so I have to build it. Yes, actually. That is pretty much I think uh, it's there's a vision of my life that doesn't exist anywhere so I have to build it. Uh but also I feel like other people might be in the same zone. Mhm. And and they they want it and they just don't know that they do. Um so, you know, it's like a if you build it they will come kind of thing. Um, right where i just i i feel <clears throat> i feel and felt like there were people who you know I, I i got i'm very fortunate i got a lot of friends you know i got a lot of acquaintances too but i got a lot of friends and and talking to a lot of my friends you know we would have conversations about like like man i'm really not trying to go to the club but i'm trying to kick it i'm not trying to get drunk or yo i'm i need to go to this thing but you know or i want to go to this event but you know i have a I got, I got kids, you know, or what, whatever, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be out late or whatever. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of those moments, a lot of those conversations where I'm like, I, I don't, I don't drink, um, personal, you know, choices. I'm no, no relapses, no nothing. I just have never been interested in any of it. And I'm not judging anybody if they do, 
but uh but a lot of times I would go to parties and I would just be sitting there and if you're not getting drunk there's kind of nothing for you to do um and so I just kind of look at those moments and you know just take just taking in a lot of things that have happened and it's kind of funny cuz I used to throw house parties I'm really good <laughs> at it but it, and I think I'm good at it because I give there's something for the people who are drinking to do drink there's something to people who are aren't who aren't drinking to do some sort of activity and then there's interesting people there who want to do things other than get drunk and talk about how wasted they are or do make you know whatever like have a drink and have a good time all good but it's okay if you want to have a good time you don't want to drink you know so that's kind of like using using that as an example you know but there's you know you oh you want to oh you like shoes but you don't want to just put them on your feet cool uh, let me teach a class about how to deconstruct or how to take them apart how to learn you know that that kind of stuff so just trying to i guess i am ruggedly individualistic i think i just realized early that there's there's not only one way to do stuff right and i think in coffee and in other aspects as you mentioned like we're conditioned to think that there are only certain ways to do certain things. Yeah. Um, which I think is really proving your point, especially now. So like, let's talk about how like COVID has affected your business. Um, what, what was it like when you first realized like shit was happening? Like I'm going to have to change something or something might affect like what's happening at Deadstock. Yeah. I was at my mom's house and, uh, I remember we, one of our, one of our good friends and, and great friends, great customers is, a. Her name is Elise, and uh, she works for one of the. She works for a senator, and she doesn't. She doesn't divulge information that we're not supposed to have, but she definitely will send a text, especially with all the COVID stuff, to being like, "Hey, you might want to pay attention to what's about to to what the governor is about to say." Um, or you know, the the there's some information coming out in the next couple of days that's going to impact the restaurants greatly. You know, and and it's not one and it's not one of those like, you know, burn it down or, you know, it's all over. She's just kind of like, hey, you know, I know you're busy, but look at this, you know. And so I remember she sent a text and then a couple minutes later, um, we got a we got a note or we got a, you know, an email or a tweet or what. I don't remember what it was, but it was like, you know, restaurants are you know, not required, but heavily suggested to do X, Y, Z. Um, this thing is spreading really fast. X amount of people are dying, whatever. And my mom, I was at my mom's house and reluctantly because, you know, I'm, my mom is older and, you know, a person of color and, you know, just in that zone of like really, really uh, vulnerable. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just remember sitting there talking to my mom, my, you know, my attitude changes very quickly. Cause I was like, well, guess I got to shut it down, you know? And at that point I had already come to terms with the fact that like I built it. And if I got to shut it down, like and close it for real, then I can also rebuild it. And, uh, I was upset for a, a day or so, but you know, just was like, whatever, we'll stay open as long as we can. Um, and, uh, <laughs> around that time, um, you know, we were ramping up for SCA, which was supposed to be in Portland. And, I had started roasting a lot because a lot of times people don't respect us for coffee. They just talk to us about sneakers and yada, yada, yada. And I'm not saying you, so you're good. But the, a lot of times people don't talk to us about, we're not talked to about coffee things and that sucks. And so we get, uh, we get, um, I, I was like, you know what? I'm about to be roasting outrageous amounts. And people are gonna see dead stock, and they're gonna be like, "Yo, these guys are for real a coffee company." Uh, when they got to port, when they got to Portland in April for SCA, so I had been ramping up. Um, when everything happened, everybody switched to like, "Well, I guess I can't drink my coffee here, so I got to drink it at home." So people started coming in and buying beans, and then it just kind of blew up from there. But I just like that that moment of like when I thought about, I was like, "Okay, I guess I could close." But then I thought about the team. I thought about this is the only way I make money. I, th- I thought about the customers who look to us for some, you know, guidance or, you know, like, hey, that's like, what do you guys think about this? You know, in relation to many things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I felt like it was important that we stay open as long as we could. And um, 
It was a that that's that was a Sunday. I remember that that day was it was heavy. Like I didn't know really what to do. And I'm very fortunate that we have a landlord who called me up a couple of days later and was like, "If you have to close, don't worry about paying your rent." You know? Mm-hmm. And him saying and I was like, "Well, what are you going to do?" And he's like, "I don't know, but I'll figure it out." And in a nice way, he said, "I'm rich." You know, but right. <laughs> but he was like, "I'll I'll be fine. Like I'll, I'll I'll we'll figure it out, but you know, don't worry about me." And him saying that made me be like, okay, now I have to stay open so that I can pay this dude some rent because he's, you know, he's looking out for me or he's willing to look out for me. So I'm going to do what I can to help him. I can't figure out how to turn this email off. So my bad. (laughs) It's part of the audio now. It is part Um, of the audio. You know what I'm saying? That's when I make a point. Right. That's the the computer's listening to you. Yeah. In actualness because we're recording this, but um, it's also responding to you and telling you, hey, good job. Uh. Um, so like, okay, so you stay open, you make the decision to stay open. I wonder if like any of the things that you've maybe thought about Deadstock or have maybe, maybe didn't even know about Deadstock or the community around you. Like, have you learned anything as you've stayed open? Um, yes, I've actually learned quite a bit. Um, you learn a lot about like about people and, and what people are interested in and like, Learn a lot. Um, uh, we're always messing with people. Um, the fact that we don't have a menu is a constant version of messing with people. Because you walk in and you're like, "Uh, so I've never been in. Where's the menu?" And then you're like, "We don't have one." And they're like, "What? Like, do you guys do coffee?" I'm like, "Yeah." You don't see this fat espresso machine come right here in front of you. It's right there. Or you don't see this latte that we just made. Or you didn't hear the person in front of you just order X Y Z. Like, we're we're constantly. And I and I will and I will tell I will say that to someone. I have no problem being like, bro, you ain't see this latte, <laughs> you know, like. So so we're we're constantly met like you know just kind of poking at people, poking at the system or whatever. Um. So hold on, what was the question you asked? I forget. I'm old. I think you're younger than me, so shut up. Uh, well, um, we can debate that later. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I was asking, like, have you learned any lessons uh, yeah. during this this whole time? Yeah. Um, I don't think I really learned any. I, don't, I didn't learn any lessons. I really just solidified things that I already thought or felt strongly about. Like what? Um, uh, some people are hyper paranoid. I've always known that. Uh, I've always felt that. And it just really got proved, proven. Um, I got an email yesterday. Um, I got an email a phone call, a square negative review, and a one-star Yelp review um, in like 16 hours um, of somebody, and a voicemail of all, of somebody who came in and uh, there was someone, now, not saying that this person is wrong. There was somebody who was in the shop who didn't have their mask on. And this person felt so uncomfortable that they grabbed whatever it was that they had, they left and threw it away. And then they sent an email uh, they sent the, they did the square review first and said like, there's someone in there who didn't appear to be a customer or, or, or uh, an employee who was just hanging out with no mask on, breathing all over my drink. And I was like, okay. You know, so I asked the team, Hey, what happened? And they're like, I don't know. Um, they don't remember it. And they were like, well, maybe it was so-and-so. So I talked to that person and that person was like, no, but, uh, but I do know that subconsciously, you know, we sometimes will like if somebody's not listening or whatever, like you'll pull your mask away to take a to like say something more clearly. Or maybe, um, you know, maybe they take a sip of a drink and forget that they took it down or whatever. Um, so this person was clearly un- un- uncomfortable with with all of it. But I get a lot of emails about like I looked inside and there was more than six people inside. And um and so, you know, it's unsafe in there and you should know that. I'm like, okay, thanks. You know, and, some, and sometimes I, you have to assess it and be like, yo, did this actually happen? Or is this person blown it out of proportion or whatever? Um, uh, so there was that, um, you know, everybody has needs. Oh, hey, what's up, doggy? Uh, I know, what is he barking? Uh, he just wanted to know. He said, he said, everybody got needs. He said, that's true. Yep, um, that's true. He, again, it, your email's not listening now, but now the dog's listening. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He said, he said, how come you haven't interviewed him yet or her? Because um, um, he's a bad boy. No, no he's, okay. he's a good boy. He's a good no, boy. He's a good boy, bad boy. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> okay. So he, uh, we have, 
I, I don't know. Like, there's just there's so many like our our team coming coming into COVID. Everybody is a bit ner- like people are nervous. People are nervous about their jobs. They're nervous about getting sick. Nervous about their family. Nervous about the fact that they have to stay home now for a really long time. And what are they going to do? They're nervous about the fact that they might not have any toilet paper for all the dookies that they're now extra going to take. I don't know what that means or how, but whatever. Uh, so you need 40 bricks of toilet paper. But, but you know, people are people are nervous and they don't know how to explain sometimes how they feel. And you you have, you know, on, on a team at any given moment, like somebody might need help. Let's say you have a team of 10 people. Maybe somebody's really struggling with customer service or they're struggling with something at home or anxiety or whatever it might be. Oh, and then you might have another person who is really, really good. And you're like, man, I'm restricting this person by keeping them in this position. It's time for them to grow, you know, so, or somebody's ready to move on. So let's say usually you have like of a 10 of, of a team of 10, you might have two people who are, who need some sort of development. Um, now you have that team of 10 who everybody needs something and everybody's looking at you like, yo, what can can you fix this? I'm like, bro, nah, I can't fix it. And and they and they're looking at me as the boss to be like, what is the next step? And then outside of that, you have vendors who are wondering what's going on. You have landlords and uh like everybody needs something now. Your family, every, everybody needs something. And that's like the hardest that's one of the hardest things. And usually the consequences of like, hey, if you don't put chairs outside or if you don't put extra seating in, you're going to have less customers. That sucks. Now the, now the, or if you, if you make this with milk, um, I'm not going to die, but I might get really sick. So can you make sure to get a new picture for me, you know, because I don't want to get sick. Cool. Understandable. Now it's like, if you're not wearing a mask, I'm going to die. You're going to kill someone. And the consequences just they change just like so severely and you know the these are all things that like people need help we all know that but this like took it to another level you know uh and then also the, i mean on the good side you really realize who who supports you and who understands what you're doing and who messes with you and 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 why um and how and how and to what degree you know we've had people buy $5 gift cards, like, hey, hope you guys are good. And we've had one person who bought a $1,000 gift card. I put it up on the website just as a joke to see what would happen and somebody purchased it, you know? So. Yeah, something you mentioned to me when we were talking about doing this interview was that people have reached out to you to ask, like, what's what's the secret? Like, how are you folks staying open while other people are struggling? Uh-huh. So I wonder if there's, like, I wonder if there's any recognition of this moment where you're, like, I am doing something right. There's definitely you know? recognition. Um, you know, as like a person who creates something, I'm not, I will never say I'm a creative, but like as a person who creates stuff, um, uh, I, I'm often my biggest critic, you know? Uh, and like most designers or musicians or whatever, like we, we, we criticize ourselves really, really tough, really strongly. Um, but I, I am very proud of, of myself and proud of my team. I really couldn't do it without the team of people that I have, um, you know, and then like the community extended, um, you know, put pushing to make sure that other people come in and support, um, and the support that they give us. And, and like, you know, there's like so many, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud, but I don't, the, I think the secret sauce, I guess, is uh and I, I have a feeling a question about Erica is coming soon. But the is that the it Erica uh Escalante who owns the Arrow Coffee House uh here in Portland, we often talk about you know, in the first couple days of of COVID, actually months, we she and I would talk every single day, sometimes for like hours and just like, what are you doing? What do you feel? How do you blah 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 blah. Um and you know, one of the things that we that we mentioned was a lot of the bigger shops, a lot of the shops that people are like Portland staple, uh, they all closed, and for whatever reason, and the ones who are the ones who stayed open are you know a mix of people who can't close because it's the only way that we survive, us and our team, um, but also places that are very tied in and connected to the community, and 
you know, being being connected to each other and connected to the community and connected to the streets or whatever you want to call it is like so it's so important. And I think that's what the what the the secret part was was like it's not a secret because we we have been we have been open and honest. And you know, from my perspective, um, a lot of people are kind of at this moment a lot of people are begging for stuff um or or demanding it and that's just the perspective that I've never wanted to take and I no I'm not saying that it's wrong cuz for some and some some people are like that hey that is your you do best when you are like hey no this will not stand you know and then other people do best when they're like hey you know I'm just going to sit in the back and um you know feel things as they come to me you know so Everybody's a little different, but our stand has always just been, I'm a, I'm a sit here and, and wait. And, you know, as, as things come to us, we'll, we'll attack it, but we're just going to, you know, continue straight on our path that we've been doing and, and not, not waver, be clear that we are making steps to stay safe and to, and, and whatnot, but also be clear that we ain't going nowhere. And, uh, when people see your confidence, then they see the, then they will put, you know, then they're willing to put their dollars there and their time and efforts. I like that you mentioned confidence because I think that there is a level of making a decision and feeling confident in the decision you've made. And not to say that like you can you can't be wrong. Like you can obviously be wrong, but knowing that you've made a decision for a reason and not wavering on it. Yeah. Oh, the computer says I'm right. Yeah, the computer's like, you're right. <laughs> Um, but I wonder, like, how, like, where does that come from? Like, how do you feel? Like, is there doubt? Of course. Of course, there's doubt. Hold on one sec. Sorry, sorry, video or audio. I can't have my man Chris. Can't have my man Chris not going home because the keys are stuck up here. All right, there we go. That's true. Um, uh the yeah there's 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 so much doubt i mean the, uh there's like little pieces of doubt where you're like man if we just if we just continue our normal operations i doubt that's going to work you know like there's that kind of doubt like i, I doubt people are going to be excited about that you know right um but if we completely close down like uh i doubt i'll make any money <laughs> you know like i so I still got bills to pay. Like there's, there's those types of levels of doubt, but then there's also, you know, big doubt. Like if we invest a lot into purchasing green coffee, knowing that we're going to be roasting a lot, I really hope that people like, are people going to buy these beans? Are people going to get sick of us? Especially right now with, with, uh, you know, black lives matter and, you know, George Floyd passing, unfortunately, but you know, that really, that really, you know, woke some stuff up. Um, and it's necessary uh, that people are talking about it. But, you know, Blackout Tuesday, right at first, everybody was like, go to Deadstock, support Black-owned business. And then uh, and we were fortunate to be listed on like every single list of things. Um, and we went from doing 30 bags of coffee a week online uh, to 120 something bags a week. Uh, and then the next week, right after that, we did 1,200 bags. And everybody was like, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, bro, it's not going to last, you know? And that's like, I, I that's again, like, I, I doubt people are going to stick with this. Uh, man, leave me alone. You don't want the computer to be right on that. No, 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 I really don't. But it was a fact. Uh, because then a couple of weeks later, you know, but a couple of weeks later, we were back down to in the 100 zone. And... uh you know, people did it. They posted on the gram, and then they just kept it moving. And you know, there, there's like those, there's, there's those moments where you're like, is this even worth it? <laughs> you know, there's so many people want to carry our coffee now, and everybody's like, that's great. You know, you should, you should do it. And I'm like, why, why do you even, why do you, why do you care? Why do you want us to, why do you want to sell our coffee? Why do you want any of this? You know, it seems well, like a lot of that doubt kind of doesn't go away necessarily but it seems like a lot of it gets cleared up or at least gets brought up to the forefront when you really start to critically analyze why you're doing the thing you're doing and I think that's where 
I would imagine a lot of the confidence comes from it's because you've asked yourself these questions. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely have. Um, yeah, you know, but you because as a as a business owner in general, you have to you have to ask yourself like you you start out with asking yourself a question. It's like, you know, what what would I want to see, or what do I think will work? Um, do I think people are going to support it? You know, so you you start out asking a bunch of questions. I hope, I hope it's not like I'm going to open this and I don't care. You know, I think that happens more often than we'd like to think. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think it's that's dependent on a whole bunch of other things, like you know, if you already have money to you know to throw at it, or if you I, I don't know whatever. I'm not I'm not trying to downplay anybody's. Some people roll into some money, but they also work really hard for what they have built. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to knock anybody for that. But some people just open it up because they're like, this is cute, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like, oh, man, this is, you know, I'm going to open up this. I'm going to open up this uh, dry, this shooting range slash bar. Like, uh, please don't, <laughs> you know, yeah, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> so um, is that the what was- here or say yeah. that again? No, there's police cars in the background. I was like, is that your computer? Is that you or me? But I no, think I think it's you because I can't hear it. Yeah, shout out Chinatown. <laughs> what would you want people to know about you uh, if they listen to this? I don't. I don't know. Uh, it's not that I. It's not that I don't care. It's just like that I care so much that I'm gonna do what I feel is best. How about that? <laughs> I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. Um, I think that's the coolest thing I've ever said. I'm fine with, I mean, you've said a lot of cool things. <laughs> um, I still, I still, I still think about, um, oh, God damn it. I had it in my head. I said it to you before we started recording um, and then I forgot it. So never mind. I guess this yeah. is the coolest thing. The other thing that you said that I thought was cool can't be that cool because I forgot it. That's how, that's how cool it was. It's in reserve now. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ian, for taking time to talk to me. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. Is there a, tell, tell me what you, how do you feel like what's going to happen moving forward coffee wise? Um, I can only speak to my experiences in Chicago. Um, so let's start there because I think that the, the coffee community in Chicago is, is pretty disjointed just to start. Um, Uh and it's because Chicago is really big. It's hard to get around. Like we have the L system, but like, most of the neighborhood coffee shops are like pretty far from the L and not necessarily super easy to get to. So it's hard to just like walk to your local and be like, Oh, I'm here. Um, I saw a lot of places close. Um, some places are starting to reopen now. Um, there, there are two, like two sides of the coin to it. So like I was reading this report that said like 80% of all restaurants or small restaurants are going to close. And in a way I think that will start to weed out folks who maybe didn't have a lot of intention in their open in opening their businesses, which is good. There should be some weeding out. There should like for the amount of shitty bosses we hear about and the amount of like you, you hop on Twitter or Instagram and it's like, Oh look, here's another shitty boss. Oh look, here's another shitty company. And if COVID-19 can help us like figure out what those places are and figure out a way to either engage in some restorative justice or maybe say that we need to cut our losses, then that's great. That being said, like, I think COVID-19 is also asking people to do a lot of work that they've never been prepared to do. So like if people did want to open up a coffee shop and they're like, these are some of the ideas I had, but if they weren't super rooted in community or values or really specific visions, which I don't think we ask necessarily people to do very often mm-hmm. um they might lose out um so i'm not 100 percent sure how i feel about that because for in a way like i want as many people to stay open as possible because those are jobs those are real people but then at the same time like every fucking coffee shop is the same so yeah i have to hope that like this is a reckoning moment for us but i don't know yeah it's like i don't um, feel great <laughs> yeah i don't i, I kind of don't feel great either like i, I feel um. I feel I feel great from the perspective of me and like some people that I know. And uh but I but I don't feel like there's there's been so many like in Portland there's this uh, 86 PDX list or whatever of like all these bars and restaurants and 
coffee and all that stuff, like people who just have been doing jacked up stuff to people for a long time and everybody's mm-hmm. just coming out with these stories. And so it's like, oh, this company, you're going down. This one, you're going down too. And it's just like, point, take it down, point, take it down. And and it's just almost like, uh, you know, like the sprinkler has like, yeah. And you're like, you're going to get wet, you know, like you might get a little bit wet. You might like run through it real quick and you're like, man, somehow I made it. Or maybe you timed it well. Uh, or maybe you're on the other side. You're the person who you're on the other side of the sprinkler. You're like, man, look at that grass getting wet, you know. And but for the most part, it's like you might miss it on the but on the on the way back, like you about to get hit, you know. And it's like so. It's so like stark. Yeah. Here, here is a fact. And you're like, who said this fact? I don't know, you know. And I'm, this is this is where I think maybe I'm gonna take some controversy. I I think that a lot of times, like if you really have a problem, sometimes you need an anonymous outlet. If there's like some stuff that's really been messed up, like maybe you have some trauma and whatnot, you need you need an anonymous outlet. But I think it also there's power in you being like I'm the one who says this to the you know as, especially as people are listening. Like right now, everybody's listening. So I think there's I think there's power in being like I'm the one who's saying this. And you need to understand that maybe I've talked to you about it in the past and you didn't hear or you suppressed me or maybe, you know, what whatever it might be. You need to know that I'm the person who said this information because I was part of it. You know, I, I think that I think that there's some of it where people have to kind of like show face a little bit. If you're going to be part of the destruction of something, you should I think that sometimes you got to be in it. Um, I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I get. I think I get it. Yeah. I do think there's like part of. I feel like that creates this like binary of like, these are the bad people and these are the good people, and I think that that's where like, that's where things are problematic because I think that everybody is complicit in some way. Like yeah. everybody's seen shitty behavior. Everyone's done shitty behavior. Yeah. And sure. I think it's easy to be like these are the shitty people and these are the not shitty people. Yeah. And to a certain degree, there there are people who fall on that spectrum of starkness of like they're over here and other people are over here. Absolutely. But like, I think absolutely. But then again, like everybody has done shitty things because we're in a system that makes it really easy to do that, and yeah. we're in a system that makes it almost required to be shitty because like capitalism is shitty. Like you have to be competitive in a coffee shop because there are maybe ten people who are baristas and one person gets to be the manager and they make more money. Like yeah. maybe you do have to step on some toes to do that work. And it's hard to be, it's hard to be critical of that, but it's like, cause the system has made it so that like, that's what's required. Um, so I wonder instead of like the starkness, how does, like, what does restorative justice look like? And I think that we haven't really figured that out in coffee yet. No, um, they haven't figured out in, in, in life. Even in coffee. Yeah. In life. Like I, I had this conversation with my mom the other day. We were we had dinner like on a back patio with family friends and uh one of these people just was a is a ex police officer. We had been talking for an hour, like a, a solid hour about police reform and he had some very good a lot of he got out of being a police officer because he felt that he almost had to shoot and kill someone. And he did seven or eight years as an officer knowing that that could be a thing and telling himself, If I ever have to kill someone, it's gonna be because I feel like I'm doing what is supposed what I need to be doing, like protecting myself, protecting somebody who is uh, who is innocent or who is in harm's way, or protecting my partner. Um, and he got to that point where he almost had to do it, and he was like, "Can't do this." And mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but he had really big things on police reform. Like he's like, "Police feel really the two places where police die is traffic stops and domestic uh, disputes." That thing that I was just talking about was a domestic dispute that he had to respond to, um, and. Uh, He's like, why don't we just get rid of traffic stops? You can't like just let people drive as fast as they want. If you get killed, I'm sorry, you know, but that will get rid of the police being in harm's way, the police having an opportunity to be racially biased or biased in some sort of way. He's like, you just learn from mistakes, like touching a hot stove, you know, and uh, and you know, and then he was like, also, there should be separate police officers for like if you need a gun or not. Like, if your house is currently getting burglarized, you need a police officer with a gun. If somebody broke into your home and you came back and it's and stuff is everywhere, you don't need a gun. Right. You need a different person. You know, so he was just like, 
but we were talking about all of that and it got to like a controversial part and uh and my mom jumped into the end of it she didn't she wasn't there for the beginning the beginning hour of him saying like this is the perspective of the police officer and i think it's wrong this is the training that police officers receive and i used to be one and i think it's wrong this is the training that we did receive and we should be using it and we're not using it right you know like that kind of stuff and uh and my mom got really upset and then didn't want to talk about it anymore after that point was made and you know she was like he just doesn't understand he doesn't know he's only saying that because he's protecting police and i'm like no mom you're not listening to him. He's telling you this is what the officer was probably thinking, and he doesn't, and he thinks that it's not right. Or he didn't fully know the story, and then we told him the story, and he was like, oh, didn't know that. You know? So I think there's those moments where, where people are, uh, people are like, you have, to, you have to actually listen to somebody, and you have to come to a solution together. But 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 before that, you have to listen, and you have to listen open, openly, and be willing to take some hits with what they're telling you, and they have to be willing to take hits as well. Do you think that you think that just because you're old? No, I'm kidding. Ah. <laughs> that was Ian Williams, owner of Deadstock Coffee. You can learn more about Deadstock by visiting them on Instagram at Deadstock Coffee. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ian's Cell Phone Pings and My Still Bread Friends. We'll see you next week.